Following the seizure by Iranian authorities of the South Korean chemical tanker known as Hangukemi, Iran also announced that it has resumed its process of enriching uranium to 20% purity, which would go beyond the limits of the 3.67% cap laid out in the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal. Experts say that Tehran's recent moves will most likely worsen the already strained relationship between Iran and the U.S., Uh, Germany and France, for their part, as well as other world leaders, have expressed concerns over Iran's continuous efforts uh, to acquire nuclear technology and power. So for further discussion on the implications of all of this, we are pleased to be joined by the senior resident scholar at the Arab Gulf States Institute, Dr. Hussein Ibish, on the line. Hello. Hi. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Uh, The uh, 20% uranium enrichment threshold is far below the 90% level that would be considered weapons grade. A lot of people who are North Korea observers here in South Korea kind (laughs) of might know this. uh, But uh, many are worried that this could just be the beginning of a kind of reach uh, a long-term goal that Iran has in developing nuclear weapons. Would you agree with that? Well, it's not all that long-term in the sense that now it's, assumed by, uh, I think, without any defense by Western intelligence, that Iran is something like three to four months away from breakout, uh, which would be essentially nuclear weapon capability on a small scale, one, two bombs maybe, mm. and, and uh, simple ones. But either you're a nuclear power or you're not. And uh, it's sort of like being pregnant. Uh, then there are degrees of you know, nuclear capability, but the question is, are you a nuclear power or not? Uh, the whole point of the JCPOA was to prevent the, the nuclear deal you referred to, was pre- to prevent Iran, at least for a period of, of 12 to 15 years, from becoming a nuclear power. And uh, that was also the point of the maximum pressure campaign of sanctions that the Trump administration has been pursuing. Uh, but, you know, at this point, Iran is greatly weakened and it has had a horrible year of unending disasters. And yet it is closer than than it has been for a long time to break out. So you mentioned the JCPOA, and I know that uh, in the U.S. there was a lot of debate about that, uh, some uh, opposition yeah. to then Barack Obama's uh, plan to broker this deal with the Secretary of State, uh, John Kerry. Uh, when Trump came in, obviously, uh, things got turned upside down. Um, part of that um, deal was the enrichment activities at the Affordor nuclear site were prohibited until the year 2031. There are recent reports right. showing that Iran is resuming activity there. Is it essentially meaning that um, none of the provisions or many of the provisions of the JCPOA no longer even hold any um, water or mandate? I think that's the case right now. Both sides have uh, it, it, the essential logic of the JCPOA was uh, that Iran would suspend and roll back its enrichment and other aspects of its R&D that got it towards nuclear weapons capability status uh, in exchange for a generalized program of sanctions relief. Uh, in, 19, uh, in, sorry, in 2014, 2015, when the uh, JCPOA deal was being negotiated, Iran was uh, subjugated to, or subjected, excuse me, to a an unprecedented international uh, sanctions regime that was not only imposed by the West but also by Russia and China and others, and they really needed to break out of it. Now, what's fascinating is that uh, the extent to which uh, the Trump administration has been able to prove the the, the United States capability 
to unilaterally effectively impose its own sanctions because mainly because the world trades in dollars because do- the, the world has a dollarized international economy so they can make it very tough for Iran in addition sanctions pose everyone a, a choice do you want to do you company X do you country Y want to do business with Iran or with the United mm. States and uh, almost nobody would choose Iran so under the circumstances Iran has responded with Two things. First, with these series of attacks that were, especially last year, low-intensity, uh, deniable attacks, but really kind of low-level warfare against U.S. allies and interests, and by ramping up production and violating its commitments under the treaty. So, yeah, when when people in, in the Biden team talk about returning to the JCPOA, returning on the basis of compliance for compliance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what gets missing there is the fact that you'd have to define the terms. In other words, you'd have to have Iran and the U.S. agree what compliance would be on both sides and also a timetable. That's not that hard to do. It's nothing like making a new agreement, but it's also not that easy. From the Iranian perspective right now, because a lot of people wondering, um, there are these uh, deemed to be provocations uh, coming out of Tehran right now. And hopefully we can get to the uh, issue of the South Korean tanker uh, seized by the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. But um, a lot of this coincides uh, to the one year anniversary of the assassination of the Iranian general Qasem Soleimani uh, by U.S. forces. Do you believe that is a motivating factor? And do you think that uh, there is a potential of increased tensions leading to further hostilities in the Middle East between um, U.S.-aligned forces and Tehran? It's a complicating factor. It's not just Qasem Soleimani. There was, uh, because Iran will not be directly attacking U.S. interests itself. They will be using their uh, Iranian, uh, Iraqi proxies, pro-Iranian proxy groups, most notably Qatar Hezbollah. Uh, which is the biggest and most lethal of the pro-Iranian popular mobilization front militias inside Iraq. Now, also uh, assassinated with Qasem Soleimani was uh, Abdul, uh, Abdul Mahdi Mohandes, uh, who was the head of Qatar Hezbollah and the head of the PMF in general. And so even it's not just Iran and the uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps, which believe and say, and I'm sure are, are sincere, when they say uh, that they haven't carried out the vengeance for that killing. It's also the Iraqi proxies of Iran, and they're dying to do this. But I think they're being held back, because I think Iran wants to see what Biden can put on the table. I think it's very clear that Iran is curious about what what doors Biden may open up, and they're hopeful that they can go back to a deal because they need to get out of the situation they're in. and that applies, by the way, the same logic applies to the uh, Iranian election, right, right, which is coming up in, in a month or so. Um, it doesn't matter who wins. There'll be negotiations with the United States. Anyway, what's being decided by the election is who will negotiate, not whether there'll be negotiations. Uh, we just have time for one more question, but uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this South Korean tanker that was seized by the Revolutionary Guard. Uh, There does seem to be a uh, pressure campaign to release the $7 billion worth of funds that Korea, Korean banks control. And Korea has indicated a willingness to talk about maybe providing vaccine relief that would maybe not um, uh, violate these existing U.S. sanctions. What do you think is the best strategy for South Korea right now? Oh, probably something like that, if the Iranians will take it. 
uh, I think it's a good compromise, um, and it's also a humanitarian gesture, and it would be a good thing. So, I mean, I think uh, South Korea probably ought to propose that and stick with it. It's a good example of how Iran has used low-intensity warfare as a response and piracy and, in, and, and interruption of shipping as a uh, strategy to disrupt and get around the sanctions. This is a very good example. Uh, Iran was just dealt another blow with the, the ending of the Qatar boycott by Saudi Arabia, the UAE, etc., because that they were getting $100 million a year in, in dollars, in cash, mm. from Qatar to fly over um, Iran, and they won't have to do that anymore because they'll be able to use Saudi Arabia again. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think, Saudi, I think uh, South Korea would be well advised to offer that, th- those funds in a way which won't cause any harm. That's a very good, uh, I think, um, solution. All right. Well, uh, on that optimistic note, uh, we will have to end it there. But uh, Dr. Hussein Ibish, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insights. Anytime. Thank you so much. That was resident scholar at the Arab Gulf States Institute, Dr. Hussein Ibish. It is going to take us into the second hour of the program. We've got a lot more in store for you in the second hour, including uh, various uh, regular segments like TM Views and a look at the world of film. We're continuing our quiz question of the day for the 10,001 voucher. Who is the North Korean leader recently promoted to Secretary General of the Workers' Party? Give us your answer at pound 1013 for... 51. Uh, the winner of today's quiz will receive a 10,001 coffee voucher. Good luck to all of you. Taking us into the second hour is another check of traffic and weather.